0: Wow, this is a good one. I'm probably dating myself here, but when I was a kid and a sitcom would have a dramatic episode that took on some tough topic, they would say, next up on Family Ties, a very special episode. And you knew that meant that there weren't going to be a lot of laughs um, and they were going to try to get you to think deeply on a topic. Well, this is a very special episode of the Creator Podcast. We are so blessed to have Jason Upton as our guest. I was at an event called the Worship Arts Convocation, and Jason was the special guest for, uh, I mean it was down on the program as a concert, but really what it was was this time of intense teaching and worship. He is a singer-songwriter that's been described as a psalmist, It will not take you long to figure out that his waters run very, very deep. And what you're about to hear is a brief conversation between Jason and myself, which he was very generous to give because I asked for 10 minutes of his private time before he got ready to come out and lead us in this incredible night of worship. And then he was even more generous when I asked if I could share some of his teaching and some of his music from that evening as part of this podcast episode. He owns all his own music and so he was more than happy to offer that up, but he could have just as easily have said no. So I'm so grateful that Jason allowed us in in this way and I think you are in for something very special as all of us who were in the room that night felt. It was just an incredible feeling. One of the things you'll notice is that after the songs, uh, there is no applause. And it wasn't because people didn't appreciate what he had done. It was because we appreciated it so much. There was just this depth of feeling in the room that people did not applaud. It didn't feel appropriate to applaud. But we were in one spirit that night. It was really quite incredible. And we do hope you enjoy this very special episode of The Creator Podcast with Jason Upton. you know belt and suspenders. <laughs> well this Jason is we this is an incredible privilege and pleasure for us to, uh, to to spare a couple of minutes of your time before you uh, do this night of worship for us at the Worship Arts Convocation. Um, have you played Waymark Pennsylvania before or is this your ne- first time?
1: <laughs> first time. <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean,
0: a lovely little, uh, lovely little town. But this is a very special place. A lot of people have uh, encountered God uh, on these grounds, and uh, and I feel confident that's what's going to happen tonight. So, it's nice so special, yeah. So you are well known as a singer, songwriter, worship leader, but but you are equally a, a pastor, a teacher. So in your mind, kind of, what comes first? Do you see yourself as a teacher first, as a worship leader first? Are they intertwined for you? How do you view it?
1: Yeah, I think they are intertwined. Because I think activity the 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 activity of worship is really at the heart of worship that when jesus when jesus was with the disciples he said a lot more about following than he did about singing absolutely so i've always felt like it's i wanna i wanna i wanna bring the activity of my worshiping following of jesus life to my worship and and the goal really it would be to get to get everything we sing back into the activity all of the expression back into the activity and that's a pastoral work i think yeah to take to get the you know the 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 activity into our expression that takes guts i think and then to get the expression back into our activity, I think that that becomes the goal.
0: So. Right, yeah. and that's definitely the difference between uh, playing to lead worship versus playing as a show, as you know, as a solo or something like that. It's it, that's part of that intrinsic difference between worship music per se and just music. And yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So what have the last two years been like uh, for you not being able to, you know, perform with people in the same room and and that kind of thing?
1: Well, even going back to that, that what you were just saying, I mean, I was just talking with a friend from England today because we were, we were co-writing a lot last year and in our co-writes, we were discussing worship and music and, and how much congregational singing has become a dominant part of worship and to the extent that, you know, um, Gathering around presence, whether that was Eucharist or the presence of Jesus, and you know, gathering around presence was really the goal and the purpose. And and albeit I love music and songwriting and always have, um, uh, we've made congregational singing the act of worship. Right. And in many ways, I um, you know, and we were just talking about this yesterday that. For nearly 1100 years of Christian history, congregational singing, not not only did it not happen, it was banned. Right. It was Luther that brought that back. Yeah. And so. And I think it might have been banned because men were in charge. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with you, actually. (laughs) I mean, there's definitely some negativity to that, and I'm glad that it's back in. Right. But um, when. When we measure engagement maturity on everybody singing along I mean it, there's I always say to worship leaders there's something if I was to measure maturity in a congregation it, it it wouldn't be silence, especially stoic silence where we the inability to express what's on the inside of us right but I would definitely uh say that that rapt awe silence that kind of. I would say that's the number one gauge, in my experience, of people's engagement. Mm -hmm. I think singing along in unison could also be a form of engagement. But I think all too often we think that people are engaged in the actions of following Jesus when really they're just singing along. Sure.
0: Singing three verses in a chorus is easier, it's a lower bar, than engaging with the presence of God. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's get your coffee. Yeah, yeah. If you heard the gurgling in the background, it was the uh, was the carrot doing its Yeah,
1: magic. that's right. It took it took <laughs> us a while. How many how many uh,
0: ministers does it take to get a carat <laughs> to right. work? Yeah, you know? You know, we prayed <laughs> over it. And, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> so um, so you have played you know huge venues um, with huge congregations and a large band behind you. Uh, tonight you're going to play solo with a keyboard and uh, a really pretty intimate crowd. How do you modulate your approaches in those different scenarios? Um, yeah. Do, is it a different thing when you're sitting down with six people behind you versus solo on a stage? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I I usually only play with people I've played a lot with mm-hmm. um, because I, I, I think that... Um, keeping things very focused, um, on, uh, when you have a band, uh, you can, you can sometimes get a little overconfident, I think, actually, Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, when you're just by yourself on the stage, um, it, it take, it requires a lot, it requires a lot to, um, to not try to make it more than it is. Right and 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 I think it's a great um yeah, it's a great exercise for me i i I just started doing that a few years ago. I used to always travel only with a band mm-hmm. and um now I find that we fight now now experiencing that and not trying to make it more than it is uh just allowing it to sit in that if, the, if there is a gauge number of one to ten and you're with a band and you know, I think when you're with a band, the fight is, we were talking about this in the car with my buddy Stephen, who's running sound, and I said, isn't it interesting that most worship is like seven to ten? Just never, it, There's no dynamic to it. Mm-hmm. So I think the more you play in this kind of setting with just yourself, um, well, you don't have any, any gimmicks. There's nothing to hide. Right. You know, it, it is just what it is. Yeah, And... Um, and if you try too hard to make it what it isn't, you know, um, no amount of playing it a little bit louder or whatever is going to make it a full band. Yeah, it just kind of is what it is, and it, it it focuses it a lot on the lyric and the word and what it is that I'm saying. And also, the maybe the loudest thing in the room is the interaction between you and the people, right. even if nobody's talking. Right, and you can feel that more. Mm-hmm and um and so when you go back to having a full band um you uh i think what happens is you you're always trying to fight for okay we have a whole band can we get to that level of intimacy with the people right. connection yeah 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 and making making music for connection or, a, or 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 a story for connection or a, anything like that i i feel like it is really for connection yeah What I love about settings like tonight is you, you really do know, um, sorry, buddy. Um, you really do know in a setting like tonight, you, you feel the connection more. Yeah. And, and there's something very sweet about it. I've actually gotten quite, um, comfortable with it. I, I like it a lot. Um, and I think it's made playing with the band better. Yeah, I think when you sometimes when I used to play the band I just everything had to go to like 10 and and we we often say now now let's 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 let this song sit in the 3 to 6 range just a little bit longer
0: yeah well uh, this has been uh, incredible I can't wait to To sort of see you in the three to six range tonight. Oh yeah, Um, and uh, and I really appreciate you setting some some time aside for us. Yeah, uh, this has just been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you,
1: thank you. Great to be with you. But the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God knows us by our name.
2: My house upon a stone, a stone so rarely built upon a few quiet, foolish I mm-hmm. learned from God's own the man it's is only through
1: And, uh, you know, we try to muster as much faith as we can to move the mountain. And then sometimes we try so hard to move that mountain and it just won't move. And then you realize, maybe God put that mountain there. Maybe God didn't put that mountain there for me to move it. Maybe God put that mountain there for me to learn how to climb it. And oftentimes, you start to realize through life that sometimes I think it actually takes more faith to learn to trust and take God by the hand and let Him lead us up the mountain, learn how to climb it. It takes more faith to do that than it does to just move the mountain. And so, I thought we gotta write a song about this.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm. I'm climbing a
2: mountain That my faith could not The only way forward is the only way through no bridges or highway. directions or plans, these pathways are prison. Not me again.
0: Episode to talk about an organization with a transformative mission that we care deeply about. Rain Collective's mission is to disrupt the cycle of trafficking in persons in the Middle East and North Africa and see restoration and repatriation of previously trafficked persons through funding efforts that advance policy, research, and planning of key prevention, victim protection, and sustainable restoration programs. In the same way rain clouds form, RAIN Collective is an aggregation of different systems and environments that gather momentum and grow in strength and strengthen range. RAIN blesses fields which allows humans to survive. RAIN Collective takes an inclusive, collaborative, and coordinated approach that is informed by survivors and enables governments and non-governmental agencies to respond to these complex and transnational crimes effectively and quickly. Learn more at araincollective.com. For Your
2: goodness and mercy, following me all the days of my life, following me, my dwelling, the house of the Lord forever. I feel what I do not know what I misunderstand cannot control all oh, my liberty would the house of
1: the Lord forever. I think a lot of times that, that idea, you know, especially when we're artists or musicians or followers of Jesus really. I love what Eugene Peterson used to say. He said, it's impossible to be a follower of Jesus without being some form of an artist because it just, it requires too much faithful imagination. And uh, I was reading Wendell Berry a few years ago and really taken back by some of his words on agriculture. Kind of paired it with St. Thomas Merton, who in his book, Raids on the Unspeakable, he would talk about mercy gifts, mercy gifts like sunshine and rain. And the reason that they're considered mercy gifts is that they're gifts that are unpredictable. Sometimes, well, you know, just frankly, sometimes it doesn't rain when we think it should rain, and then it rains more than we'd like it to Sometimes, you know, the sun gets scorching and burns out the crops, you know. Wendell Berry says that in the beginning of the 1900s, two-thirds of our nation's population were farmers and they, ate the, they lived on the land that they farmed and they ate the produce from that land. And in the 50s, sort of for phil- philanthropic reasons, people got together and they said, you know, we don't have to depend on the unpredictable nature of sun and rain we could create machinery to make our food. And so they did. And over the next 40 to 50 years, they eradicated, they killed off the farming population in America. And um, Wendell Berry in 1990, he had been prophesying that forever and in 1990, he said that, By 1991, 1992, less than 2% of our nation's population were farmers, and less than 1% of that 2% lived on the land that they farmed and ate the produce of that land. He said, way off in the future, you may not believe me now, but eventually there's coming a day when we'll realize, when the consumers in American society will realize that our need for certainty is poisoning. And then what will happen is we'll we'll realize, oh, we need to raise up farmers again, organic farmers, right? Because a real farmer, according to Barry, cares more about the soil than the product. It's not that they don't care about the produce or the product, but they'll give up a year of produce to save the soil. One day, far in the future, we'll realize that our need for certainty is poisoning us. And what we'll realize is you cannot raise up in a year or two-year period a, a real farmer. Farmers can't go to a two-week program to become an organic farmer. They have to be raised to the trade. Immediately when I read that, I thought about the church. I thought, wow, but if there's anything organic, it's being followers of Jesus. We've become so organizational, right? That I think we've found we've, we've forgotten that more than an organism organization, we're more of an organism, aren't we? How do we raise up poets to be among us, right? If we're teaching our young people that you need to be understood immediately. Are we willing to give up the product to save the soil? Yeah. This is, these are questions for those of us that are followers of Jesus, are creatives, you know. So I, I,
2: I said, I gotta, I gotta write a song about that. <laughs>
1: On that, I've got a father who knows what I mean, right? Either we believe in this, this uh anxiety of scarcity stuff, like Brugman talks about with Pharaoh, you know, we believe in that kind of thing. Where Pharaoh actually ironically has all of the bread, but yet, even in having all of the bread stored up, we find he's having nightmares of scarcity. Jesus comes along, goes into a desert place, doesn't look for the promised land, starts making desert places promised land, or maybe he's just declaring what it always was, right? walks into deserted places. The crowd's following him there. And in this deserted place where the disciples say, there's no food here. Let's send them back to the place where all the bread is. Jesus says, no, I've come to move you away from this anxiety of scarcity people into a God of abundance, a Father of abundance people. So let's just... It's way down what the gift is that God's going to give. We have a little gift over here. It's this little boy, you know. He's got five loaves and two fishes. One of the gospels tells us, right? And even the disciples then are like, "But Jesus, that's that's not enough." And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, "All right, bring me what you say is not enough." Yeah. Yeah. That's That's the the darndest thing about us artists. We always think what God has given to us isn't enough. So we always are looking for the more because we think that's what's going to satisfy. Jesus says, all right, stop talking. Just bring me what you say isn't enough. They bring him what they say is not enough, the five loaves and the two fishes. And Jesus lifts it up to his father and says, thank you. Because if this is what you've given, yes. I already know it's going to be enough. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm.
2: Every moment is a trip, yeah.
1: being uh, in my hog shed. I I converted an old hog shed in Wisconsin into a little studio space. And uh, one of the things about Wisconsin, southeastern Wisconsin, is um, everybody always says, oh, it's so cold there, but actually the winters, well, I actually love the the seasons myself, but the winters aren't really what get you. It's the long spring. So it'll rain sometimes. Sometimes you, you won't see the sun for like you know, several weeks. Could be. And I remember this one time, it just kept raining and raining and raining and raining. And I was in the studio and I and I was I was just on the little piano and I I was like, Lord, is it ever going to stop raining? I just remember. And um, why is it still raining? And and I remember, you know, sometimes God just doesn't need to respond. Sometimes God will just, Jesus will just be like, well, If you really want to know, we could go on a journey. I could, because actually, once you once you realize why it's raining, once it has meaning to you, right? Once you see the value of it, once you see the value of seasons, for that matter, right? So I kind of I kind of grew up a little bit, and you know, just you kind of grow up with this view that heaven is like the ultimate escape. So instead of awakening ourselves to the gifts being given, I tended to kind of think of heaven's going to be where, you know, like my favorite personal temperature is 67. So it's going to be 67 all the time. Instead of, which would be awesome, anybody else like 67, 68, you know? Hey, I'll compromise with you. Heaven's going to be 68 then, you know. You get what I'm saying? And it's kind of funny. Instead of maybe heaven is going to be very similar to a healthy earth. Right? And and maybe seasons have purpose. And we kind of want to live without seasons, even church. You know, it's sort of... In fact, you know, years ago we had windows in church. And now, you know, it's like the in the 80s and 90s we got, I don't know, like we decided... To, We don't need, let's make it a theater. Let's make it a place where people come to escape reality. You see, Jesus, there's nothing entertaining about Jesus. There's everything is invitational with Jesus. You're constantly being invited into something. There's windows with Jesus. Jesus is constantly, you know, church with Jesus is a constant interruption that then we realize later is actually an invitation. We just just see it as an interruption because we don't see the value in what Jesus is pointing us to, right? And once we realize, oh, that's not an interruption at all. That's an invitation. And honestly, most of the time, a lot of the things we think are interruptions are actually invitation, aren't they? So I was just thinking about that. I said, Jesus, why is it raining? Jesus, I'm gonna take you on a journey so you understand seasons, so you understand why farmers like snow, to rest on the soil. Right? Why? If you really want to grow in it, we'll grow in it. So I, I had this this line, it's raining today and I don't know why I'm waiting on the sun to open up the sky. Maybe today you'll give it a try, or maybe you'll just leave it alone. And then I remember, I because it's a long road that we journey on. It's a long road till we're finally home. And God's got a season when it falls like rain. God's got a reason for everything. I've been invited to go to uh, Holland with the band, and then we we're going to head on up to... Ireland I remember I went to the coffee shop, the funny thing about sort of the people in Milwaukee is we tend to be a little bit of a you know grumpy about the weather and, 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 and we're not, where I grew up in Minnesota it's even colder the Scandinavians are different than the Germans the, the, the German, Scandinavians they kind of look down on you if you complain about the weather so in Minnesota growing up it was like why are you complaining I would you be complaining? Just get out and do something. You know what I mean? And it's 20 below, but you should get out and do something. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and so, so I, I'm heading over to Holland in, 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 in Ireland, and I'm always friendly with the baristas and stuff. So I, I was chatting with them, they said, well, where are you going? I said, well, I'm heading over to Holland and then over to Ireland. Oh, lucky, lucky. Because it was raining in 40 in Wisconsin. Well, it's even colder in Northern Ireland, but they're like, "Oh, that's going to be amazing! You're so lucky. Get out of this weather!"
3: I said, "Well, I'm not
1: going to California," and then, but they didn't know that know. So, I'm heading over to Holland, and there, I'm, I'm flying into Holland, and it's raining there too. And then, while I'm in Holland, I'm 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 out for a walk and I'm writing this song. It's a long road that we're on. It's a long road till we find the home. God's got a season when it falls like rain. God's got a reason for everything. It's raining today. I don't know why. I'm waiting on the sun to open up the sky. Maybe today, give it a try. Maybe he'll just leave it alone. I'm walking with a friend and we're out in the rain. I said to Micah, my friend, I said, I'm, I'm writing this song and I, I just keep seeing disco balls. I said, why am I seeing disco balls, Micah? And he said, well, you know, maybe because disco balls were like, they were, they, they were meant to put you in a trance, to tap you out of reality. Maybe there's something there, Jason. So I went back and I him. Oh, yeah. I asked, Jesus does the opposite. If you're a worshiper, artist or your worship leader or your pastor or your minister in here tonight. You're you're you're, you're, you know, you're not a gift in this world that comes to tap people out of reality. It's like what now used to say about entertainment. The, the root of the word entertainment is to detain people from entry. Jesus is the opposite of a disco ball that transits us out of reality. Jesus is constantly inviting us into reality, to what's really going on, right? To open our eyes to what is really happening, right? And so I thought, wow, that's it. So I I sat down and I said, uh, and I had also been thinking about this idea, easy answers are easily replaced. Easy answers are easily replaced. Jesus is the opposite of an easy answer, right? Jesus is a living incarnational answer that comes and walks with us, dwells with us. Hey, you want to know why it's raining? Take my hand and let me lead and I'll take you over to Holland. And then by the time you get on this whole journey back, you'll realize why it's raining in Wisconsin because it's farming land there too, right? So... So there I am, and I'm sitting at the piano. I don't believe everything I have told because easy come, it's easy go. I grew up in this disco, but the rhythm never hypnotized me. It's not just a disco in the world. I wish that was the case. It's, it's, a, it's a disco in the church too. So why? Because we often just go for the easy answer, not the answer full of tension. You know, why do we have a cross, right? Because that's the coincidence of opposites. Following Jesus is full of tension. You know what I mean? There's probably some wonderful things in Buddhism, but I'm not a Buddhist. Because I actually believe that peace is actually found in the tension and holding things together. Right? Not creating parallels and calling that peace. It's sitting down with something. It's sitting down for, like Socrates says, you can't arrive at truth if you've never sat across the opposite opinion from you. If you just want to sit with the same people that think just like I do, my easy answer, and never have my easy answer questioned. Right? This is what Jesus does. He doesn't he doesn't, God doesn't just give us a book, God gives us presence. God gives us presence, God brings together a bunch of people that disagree with one another, even in the 12th. And God says, come on to the table. Let's sit down together. Let's hash it out. Who do you say that I am? So I was thinking about that grew up in this disco, but the rhythm never hypnotized me, because it's a long road that we journey on. It's a long road till we find the home. And God's got a season when it falls like rain, and God's got a reason for everything. And up here in Milwaukee, we've got summer on our minds, and our dreams are filled with places where it's summer all the time. But death and resurrection are not options by design, for every garden has its season and every season has its sign. Now I'm getting somewhere. It doesn't matter where you live, you're going to go through seasons. It doesn't mean that sometimes me and Rachel aren't like in the middle of winter in Milwaukee, we're not like, woo, we could live anywhere. (laughs) Sometimes we're a little jealous of that weather in California, and, and, and often it is 67.
3: <laughs> okay.
1: But up here in Milwaukee, we got summer on our minds. Our dreams are filled with places where it's summer all the time. Death and resurrection are not options by design, for every garden has its season, every season has its sign. Remember, it's raining today and I don't know why I'm waiting on the sun to open up the sky. Now, certainly among church culture, you can't, I mean, you're already out of CCLI and doing this song in church if you, you know, doing stuff like that. You know what I mean? That's just out there, you know? And it's a poem, for God's sake, you know? But, S-U-N, that'll do it to you right there, you know? <clears throat> Waiting on the sun to open up this sky. I tried to write about thirty verses to finish the song, and I threw most of them away because they were just ridiculous. Because I was—have you ever been writing something and you're just trying too hard? And you gotta let the song. You gotta wait sometimes. You got sometimes you gotta wait to finish songs, because you're just not mature enough to finish the song. You're not even, I've, I've had that happen so many times, I just, I haven't grown enough in any sort of wisdom to even finish the song. Uh, so there I am, and about three, four, five months goes by, and, and an older gentleman had told me this great idea he said, if you want to really connect with your son, my eldest son Samuel at the time was 13, 14, and my youngest was Oliver, who's, who was three or four, and then we had you know, two girls, Emma and Lucy in between. He said, he said, how old is Samuel? I said, you know, whatever he was, 14 at the time. Oh, perfect, he said to me. He's in his 80s, you know, Perfect. What you do is when you're putting... Samuel to bed tonight. Walk in there. Walk right up to him. Put your hands on his cheeks. Look him right in the eyes. And say, Samuel, you're my son. And I love you. I was in. I said, all right, I'll do it. That sounds awesome. So I did it. I went, and what he's trying to do is distinguish, you're not just Samuel to me. You're my son. Right? I was like, that's cool. I'm gonna do it. So I went into Samuel's room. I walked right up to him. I grabbed him by the cheeks. I looked him right in the eyes. And I just said that. Samuel, you're my son. And I love you. And I just felt how awkward it. It was so awkward. And I'm a very lovely guy. I like that kind of thing, but it was awkward. And I didn't realise and maybe you've had that experience, I didn't realise till the moment I did it how awkward it was. And it was so and it felt like it was not gonna be awkward. But it was actually kind of awkward. And I and I was like, I'm not gonna just let that awkwardness just be awkward. I might as well just say it, because it was that awkward. You know, and so and so I'm, I'm walking out of his room and I go to turn off the light. Before I turn off the light, I say, that was awkward, wasn't it, Sam? And he said, Dad, that was so awkward. Please don't ever do that again. I said, well, you know what? Maybe I ought to try it on Oliver because he's so young. He'll totally be into it. Sam's like, yeah, try it on Oliver. So for like a month, I was doing that. I'd go in, and when I was putting Oliver to bed, I'd grab him on the cheeks, and I'd say, Oliver, you're my son, and I love you. And he'd say, he'd grab him by the cheeks, so and he'd say, Daddy, you're my daddy, and I love you. And he'd say that back to me. It was awesome, and he loved it, and I loved it. So I thought, well, we're off to the races on this. This is good. And then you know what happened is About a month into that, trying to still write that song, kind of giving up on it, waiting on the sun to open up the sky. God waits for the most cloudy day, metaphorically, right? It's the day that, I don't know if you've ever had one of these days, but it's those days that you feel like you've done nothing for God, where nothing that you've ever done matters, can't even maybe write a song. You can't do it. Whatever it is, right? Have you ever had those days? And you're just sort of like, ah, it's a cloudy day. And uh, it was like the Lord just waited for that moment. And I remember that night, I'm walking up to put Oliver to bed. And that particular night, Oliver runs right up to me. He doesn't wait for me to do it to him. He runs right up to me. And he grabs me by the cheeks and he looks in my eyes and he says what he's never said before. He just says, blurts out, Daddy, Jesus loves you. Amen. And I don't know how I knew it, but in that instant I knew, oh, that's it. After I put him to bed, I went down to the piano. It's raining today and I don't know why I'm leaving to open up the sky maybe today I'll give it a try, maybe it's later. So, anyway. Jesus loves me, this I know. <laughs> My little boy just told me so. Mm-hmm. Like a preacher from the days of old reminded me to never let go because it's a long road.
2: Mm-hmm. It's raining today and I don't know on the sun to open the sky Maybe today you give it a try maybe you just leave it alone It's a long road that we journey on It's a long road Every season has sign. Jesus loves me the sign my little boy just told me so. Like a preacher from the days man reminding me to never let go. It's a long road that we journey on. It's a long road till we find you home. And God's got a season when it falls down. God's got a reason for it. Breathing.